politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great nation where we were greatly blessed by sparing uh, two American public servants who were on a hit list, a death list, according to uh, charges now about uh, American-based plotters in a murder conspiracy to kill John Bolton, uh, who was a national security advisor to President Trump, and uh, to kill Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State. What was the idea? The idea was revenge from the uh, Islamic Republic of Iran. The uh, revenge was for the death of the evil terrorist chieftain uh, Soleimani, who was taken out by the business end of a Hellfire missile because he had been killing American servicemen with uh, his murders elsewhere in the Middle East. The uh, feeling of having a 300,000 reward offered for your death We'll talk to uh, Ambassador John Bolton about what that felt like and about his reaction seeing the attack today by someone else who had a death sentence from the nation of Iran. This one, an official religiously endorsed death sentence. That was uh, from Ayatollah Khomeini against Salman Rushdie, who is in a hospital after a stabbing attack earlier today. And we'll also talk with John Bolton about a deeper question with all of the focus right now on the search of uh, President Trump's home. The, um, the importance of all of these classifications of top secret, uh, special uh, access classification, uh, the, the security that is attached to documents is that overdone? Should we use this um, very controversial incident as a means of uh, pulling back from uh, this level of security in the name of national security? We will debate that or at least discuss that with uh, John Bolton coming up on the Medved show. But uh, there is a, a, a great deal more going on in this car this is extraordinary and the idea that there are so many invocations of violence and of revolution and of civil war it's one of those things that uh, the the Rushdie stabbing today ought to remind us is no game it's uh, it says that in, in the account about Salman Rushdie, the novelist who was stabbed today at least 10 times, some sources say 15 times. In an interview last year, Rushdie was casual and easygoing as he spoke over Zoom from his Manhattan home, cheerfully talking about his thoughts on literature, on Federico Fellini's childhood and the peanut gallery on Twitter. He had the informal air of someone who had long ago re-entered society and reveled in being a man about town. His latest obsession was hip-hop, he said. Asked about the long-standing call for his death, he answered simply, oh, I have to live my life. And 
May he, he's 75 years old, may he continue to be able to do that. Uh, there was a statement by Ibrahim Hooper, who has been a guest on this show. He is the head of uh, the CARE, which is the Council on American-Islamic Relations, the country's largest Muslim civil rights group, it's called. He said he was concerned that people might rush to blame Muslims or Islam for the stabbing before the attacker's identity or motive were known. American Muslims, like all Americans, condemn any violence targeting anyone in our society, said Ibrahim Hooper. That goes without saying. We will have to monitor the situation and see what facts come to life. Uh, a number of people rushed to Mr. Rushdie's aid and uh, quickly pinned the attacker to the ground. The audience was then asked to leave the amphitheater calmly and quickly. Uh, the idea that they quickly subdued the attacker, it couldn't have been that quick because he was stabbed at least 10 times. And uh, uh, the, the, the horror in something like that, especially in a public gathering, which is always at Chautauqua, uh, very high-spirited, positive, and celebrating precisely the freedom of speech that the that the mullahs in Iran have extinguished in their own country and are trying to extinguish here. The um, uh, the one aspect of the ongoing discussion, and it's going to continue for a while, obviously, because it's going to take a while. And it, obviously, over the weekend, I hope to have the chance to actually read in detail the full warrant, uh, the itemization of the material that was taken out of Mar-a-Lago and to put the entire thing in in context but one thing that that has happened and it's already been a result of the search of uh, of Mar-a-Lago and, and by the way you'll notice that I'm I'm trying to avoid the term raid because a raid sounds like somebody, without warning, knocking on the door, blowing a whistle, or sounding a police siren, and the people scatter. And uh, the raid is a kind of place they had in speakeasies during Prohibition. Uh, here, they knew in advance. Uh, yeah, Waco is a raid that didn't work out very well. Uh, and, uh, or. <laughs> I mean, honest to goodness, or the, the raid to take, uh, uh, what was it in Gonzales? It was Elon Gonzales, or uh, the, the child who had been taken, who had been, uh, what's that? Elon Gonzales, okay. That was in 2000. That was a raid where you wake up in the middle of the night. This was not the middle of the night. They came at 9 in the morning. The Trump staff knew they were coming. Uh, this was all negotiated. There was no resistance on the part of President Trump. He wasn't there. He was in New York, and uh, and again, I think he is still commenting from New York. But one of the things that has happened with uh, our basically whole national mood, our whole national psyche right now, and honestly, I... I know American history, and I've got to tell you, this has never happened before. 
It has never happened before when a <laughs> a former president has totally upstaged the sitting president. Okay, you can say when a former president passes away, like uh, when George Herbert Walker Bush, may his memory be a blessing, when he passed away, yes, as a figure, he upstaged everybody. But right now, it's like Biden is irrelevant. He won the election, but he's irrelevant. Everything is all Trump, 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 positive and negative. Is that a good thing for the country? We will get to that and more. John Bolton coming up. Michael Medved Show, always a pleasure to welcome uh, to this program uh, the great John Bolton, who was ambassador to the United Nations. He was national security advisor for President Trump and most importantly is the author of one of the truly great books about the actual experience of working in the White House. It's called The Room Where It Happened, a White House memoir. And if you haven't read it, you will find it illuminating, uh, moving, and uh, extraordinarily entertaining and well-written. Uh, Ambassador Bolton, you've been in the news probably for reasons you, you couldn't have anticipated. It says in the Wall Street Journal that uh, a criminal complaint was unsealed Wednesday of this week saying that Sharam Pursafi, 45 years old, tried to kill one of former President Donald Trump's national security advisors, John Bolton, by offering to pay an individual in the U.S. 300 grand. Uh, do you think he got uh, about the right price there? Well, I was very embarrassed by that, uh, actually, that it was uh, so low. But, uh, you know, maybe they're having budgetary troubles in Iran. <laughs> Uh, okay, it's obviously not a joke with what happened uh, today to Salman Rushdie. Do you want to comment about that? Yeah, you know, this is uh, an indication. We, we don't know who the perpetrator is. Uh, he is in custody. I'm sure we'll get more details. But uh, this starts over 30 years ago with a fatwa by the Ayatollah Khomeini, the, the leader of the 1979 Islamic Revolution in Iran, uh, that that somebody obviously is still uh, looking after th 30 years after the fatwa, and whether it was directed from Tehran or whether this is a basically a crazy person, a disturbed person who decided to execute it himself, um, it certainly forms at least an in interesting coincidence with the attack about two weeks ago in Brooklyn against Masi Alinejad, a, a lady who's an advocate for women's rights in uh, Iran, uh, pictures and uh, of, of somebody with an AK-47 in his car on her porch in Brooklyn. The FBI told her they thought this was an attempt to murder her. Uh, she had been previously subject to an attempt at kidnapping by the uh, regime in Tehran. Uh, th this is this is uh, this is a real measure of this regime. The threat it poses now, really, is uh, defense. Former Defense Secretary Mark Esper said a few days ago. And I agree with an act of war against the United States by the government of Iran. 
They are now uh, just just moments ago. They identified the attacker, uh, law enforcement sources, as 24-year-old Hadi Matar, with a uh, last uh, listed address in New Jersey. And they say that uh, Salman Rushdie is still undergoing surgery. Uh, w with all of this uh, going on, the attempt to kill you, uh, the uh, attempted assassination today of Salman Rushdie and the case you just mentioned in in New York of another Iranian uh, Iranian freedom fighter really uh, does this uh, illustrate why we kind of need an FBI why it's not the best idea as some of our fellow Republicans have been saying to abolish the FD FBI yeah, I mean, I think these claims to destroy or defund the FBI are just about as stupid as the idea of defunding the police. Uh, Amen. Look, I've known I've known bad actors in the FBI from my days at the Justice Department. I, I've dealt with people who thought they walked on water. I've met U.S. attorneys who think the same thing. Any any institution of government, like any human institution, is going to have uh, uh, people in it who don't perform as they should. But I will tell you. For, for going on uh, 30 years now, experience starting with my days at the Department of Justice, uh, the overwhelming majority of FBI agents, the street-level guys, the middle-level supervisors, these people are patriots. Uh, they work for all of us. They, they are not deep state. They are not arms of the Democratic Party. Uh, and, uh, you know, when the party of law and order uh, which is I have always thought of the Republican Party as of being, turns on the people who are safeguarding them because of one man, uh, there's something wrong there. I, I couldn't agree more fervently. Well, you, you work closely with President Trump. Uh, you saw how he worked on national security issues in the White House. You were his primary national security advisor for a while. Uh, are, are there any aspects of the revelations of this week regarding the search at Mar-a-Lago. Are there any aspects that are surprising to you, shocking to you? Uh, no, I, I worried, and I think others who worked in the White House worried about uh, what I would describe as President Trump's cavalier attitude about classified matters. He didn't seem to understand the significance of Many of these things, uh, he, he was briefed at the beginning. I know I know. John Kelly told me when I came on board in 2018, they had told him over and over again about the Presidential Records Act and classification issues. But it was a constant source of worry. So when people say in those chaotic closing days of the administration, they were just filling boxes with documents and other things to ship down to Mar-a-Lago, I could easily imagine it, and I could easily imagine that swept up in it in documents that he had kept over a four-year period were things that were sensitive and classified. I do think it's important to acknowledge at this point we don't really know what was uh, held at Mar-a-Lago. We don't know what the FBI has carried away. There are a lot of reports from the usual anonymous sources about things. But, but I would just say with respect to that and, and this issue generally – it's time to dial things back. Uh, I, I always uh, was taught that you should know what you're talking about before you open your mouth, and all of us are guilty of forgetting that lesson from time to time. 
But too many people are saying things about this search warrant uh, based on no information whatever. And that is dangerous for them, dangerous for the country. Let's be clear also, dangerous for the Republican Party. I do think they have uh, now an itemization of the uh, documents that the uh, that they found at at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, some of them uh, top secret and apparently very sensitive. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I would like to to know more about the documents. Um, Trump claims that he declassified everything. Uh, no one doubts the power of a sitting president uh, to declassify material. That's, that's his discretion, but there are ways of going about it that are proper. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think throwing a document in a box and loading it on a van and taking it on your last ride on Air Force One to Florida qualifies as adequate notice of declassification. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, there are issues here, and, and that's why I think whether it's Whatever, whatever your view on this issue, uh, th- this is a time for people to, to tread carefully and not make sweeping statements. Now, I realize that's equivalent to spitting in the wind, but, but I seriously think that for, for the good stability of our institutions of our government, it would be helpful if people at least tried to do it occasionally. It's so, so wise, and you're so right. John Bolton, his book, The Room Where It Happened, uh, more wisdom and a good deal of wit as well. We'll be right back on The MedVet Show. Attempted murder of uh, Salman Rushdie, and it uh, Salman Rushdie is alive. Uh, that's what Governor Kathy Hochul of New York just tweeted out. Uh, she also said, uh, following the attack on the author in uh, Chautauqua County, that a state police trooper stood up and saved uh, Salman Rushdie's life uh, again. That happens every day. That happens every day. A guaranteed somewhere in the country, in fact, probably a lot of different places in the country, every single day there are police officers, there are people in law enforcement who stand up and save a life. And maybe this case will help, uh, help us appreciate those people a little bit more. There's also this from the New York Post, they're identifying a uh, New Jersey man whose name is Hadi Matar. He's 24. And it says that he has expressed uh, strong sympathies toward the Iranian government and uh, the, uh, as, as well as the Revolutionary Guard Corps, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard, which is a uh, radical terrorist group very powerful in Iran. He uh, was arrested after he stormed the stage at the Chautauqua Institution and repeatedly stabbed uh, the author, 75-year-old author, in the neck. Um, We, I'm sure, will learn more about him and some of his terrorist corrections. 
but another indication of why we need law enforcement and to keep us safe from terrorists, from uh, organized racists, from uh, various domestic terrorists of every kind, uh, the FBI is indispensable. Uh, okay, this is one that it's, it sounds like something from The Onion or from the Babylon Bee or from some kind of satirical. It's not. It's all over the press in Great Britain. Uh, there is a um, an activist group that uh, wants to demand more respect for non-binary skeletons. This definitely earns a Golden Turkey Award. than the Academy Awards. First and foremost, I'd like to thank God. Groovier than the Grammys. I would like to thank my wonderful agent. And more powerful than the people's choice. I would like to share this with every single senator. Now, it's time for another Golden Turkey Award nomination. Thank you so much! And uh, this award goes to what is known as the Black Trowel Collective of Multi-Ethnic and Anarchist Archaeologists. Now, where is this from? This is from a, a source known as ancientorigins.net. It says that uh, self-declared anarchist archaeologists are warning archaeologists not to assume the gender or race of ancient skeletons because they see the categorization of sexes as discriminatory to the dead and as enhancing white supremacy. Well, wait, most skeletons are white, kind of, aren't they? I mean, I don't, I don't mean that they are white as in the sense of Caucasian. I mean, they are the color white. At least the ones you that I have seen uh, so-called trendy academics have been labeling ancient human specimens as uh, non-binary or gender neutral because they say DNA can determine biological sex. In other words, they, they now can go to your DNA and your DNA tells you whether you're male or female. But they don't account for gender. And remember, we are now taught the gender is different from sex, that it may well be that somebody uh, is of the female sex but identifies as part of the male gender. Uh, So-called uh, trendy ap academics have been labeling ancient human remains as non-binary or gender neutral. The controversy has been raised by the Black Trowel Collective of Multi-Ethnic and Anarchist Archaeologists based on the notion that attributing sex and race to skeletons is fraught with issues, according to uh, reports. A, a group of activists want the scientific community to stop categorizing human remains as either male or female because science cannot be sure which gender people actually identified with when they were alive. Well, why would they care now? Uh, the team of woke archaeologists warned against biological essentialism when it comes to categorizing ancient human remains. In their statement, they asked professionals to be wary of projecting our modern sex and gender identity categories onto past individuals 
as this leaves aside the uh, frequently contextual and contingent nature of gender variation. Following this line of thought, they argue that this kind of anti-trans violence shares a common origin with white supremacist ideals. Okay, if you have a, 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 a skeleton of a female, and you can identify it pretty clearly, why is it wrong to identify it as female? Uh, do you think that uh, the female, because the, the she identified as non-binary when she was alive, that the skeleton was going to be offended or it's going to be disrespected somehow? Critics of the latest movement say that such ridiculous demands would lead to a rewriting of history and imposing current ideology where it doesn't belong. Nevertheless, the trendy academics are increasingly labeling skeletons as non-binary or gender-neutral, even when their anatomical features are clearly male or female. In their statement published on Anthrodendum, the Black Trowel Collective argued that throughout history, the human gender was highly variable. Furthermore, they explained that human beings have historically benefited uh, by identifying with many genders beyond modern masculine and feminine binaries. Uh, the idea that, that this is taken seriously, they give an example that uh, there were certain Native American cultures, by no means all of them, where they had people who identified as two-spirit. Uh, these two spirits are male and female rather than a non-binary entity. They were, in fact, exceptionally binary spirits representing the two sexes. Uh, according to Jeremy Black, Professor Emeritus at the University of Exeter, the proposed changes in archaeology are utterly absurd. He added that the two sexes were key motors in history. Well, they're certainly key motors in our personal histories, right? Uh, no conception without two sexes. Dr. Black is supported by President Frank uh, Ferretti, Emeritus Professor of Sociology at University of Kent, who said historical fact was becoming the latest frontier for advocates of radical gender ideology. And uh, uh, applying radical gender ideology to ancient remains and skeletons well, there are a, a series of films that uh, we're going to review that are uh, each one well, involving uh, some, uh, uh, you could say, conspiratorial uh, supernatural events. Uh, one of them about a, uh, uh, vampires, one of them about a body switch where a 30-year-old woman is turned into 70-year-old Diane Keaton, and one of them about the always controversial and effervescent Alex Jones, a documentary that presents his eventful life. That and more coming up on The Medved Show.
and on the Michael Medved Show, wishing you a, a glorious summer weekend. I, I'm not sure anybody is necessarily going to be celebrating what just happened. Uh, there's some people will be celebrating. The family Biden will certainly be celebrating. The uh, House of Representatives just passed along strictly party lines. All the Republicans voting no, all the Democrats voting yes. There are more Democrats than Republicans in the House of Representatives at the moment. That is very likely to change. Well, we'll see about where that those midterms are going. But the House voted to uh, approve the Inflation Reduction Bill, as it's called. That is the mammoth $750 billion bill that includes a lot of climate provisions. It includes the hiring of some 80,000 new IRS agents to pursue more aggressive audits and uh, tax increases on uh, some corporations and more. It's all passed. And uh, again, it passed along a strict party line vote it will be going to president biden's desk for him to sign and uh, it's considered a, a presidential victory we will see if this is a victory for the american people the uh, one thing that is uh, president biden has to be grateful for he's been at least partially on vacation i believe in his summer home in rehoboth beach delaware and uh totally upstaged by Donald Trump. I mean, it's incredible that the guy who won the election, and he did in November of uh, 2020, has been, like, irrelevant and uh, completely in a, a federal witness protection program or something, just hiding. What do you hear about Biden? Nothing. You hear about Trump, 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 Trump. Okay, uh, now we'll have a little bit of a chance over the weekend, I suspect, that he will try to uh, get some energy and attention with a signing ceremony for the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the uh, one of the items where inflation has kind of stopped by uh, largely because of the uh, the pandemic is uh, going to theaters, and there are uh, three significant uh, movies that are available now in theaters or on streaming from Hollywood. Okay, the most interesting of the new movies we'll do first, which is a film called Alex's War. And it's about, yes, Alex Jones. No, it does not focus on his ongoing lawsuits uh, that it may end up costing him $45 million or more. It doesn't focus on those lawsuits regarding Newtown and Sandy Hook and the parents there who he uh, hurt very badly by actually giving addresses and identifying them and claiming that they were all lying about the death of their children in the Sandy Hook shooting. Uh, what it really does, it talks about how this guy who's a dropout from community college and uh, somebody who um, uh, is offensive to many people out there with his conspiracy theories that uh, basically uh, blame everything on some massive uh, new world order that he conjures out of nothing. How is it 
that Alex Jones became a true national figure, a friend of President Trump. President Trump appeared on his show and, uh, and became a tremendously wealthy man. Uh, he became wealthy largely by selling snake oil products on air. Uh, the film Alex's War is created by a young woman uh, who's also named Alex, Alex Lee Moyer. And uh, clearly with the cooperation of Alex Jones, who's on film talking directly to the camera for much of the movie. Listen. I'm Alex Jones. The story you're about to see is truth. This is reality. Truth, truth is stranger than fiction. I'm perceived as a clown, a nut, a maniac. I saw all these conspiracy theorists that were talking about the New World Order. And I thought, that's what I'll do. Was that attack on humanity that I saw early on that I really wanted to wage war on? You're lying to the public. It's disgusting. Once you taste that, there's no going back. Okay, uh, it, it, this is a very fascinating film to watch. And... Uh, honestly, because Alex Jones has talked about so many preposterous things involving secret societies and Skull and Bones and the Bohemian Grove, and uh, I really have assumed uh, during watching his entire career for more than 20 years that this is just uh, uh, a way of uh, trying to achieve popularity and wealth and uh, power and that he cannot believe this crap. Um, this film makes me think that maybe he does, which um, makes it even, even more scary. You could say a horror film. What is also fascinating is she's very fair to him, more than fair. She shows him pleading on January 6th for people not to be violent. It's the kind of uh, tape that... Um, that anybody would welcome from January 6th, and it was true that uh, Jones did not think that was a time for violence, and he made that clear. Two things that it doesn't do. It doesn't talk anything about his very uh, troubled and, and uh, complicated marital history. It doesn't go into any of that. It's as if that doesn't exist. And it also doesn't talk about the way he's really made most of his money, which is the sale of very dubious products, um, in, including uh, lots of uh, pills and formulas for enhancing sexual performance. Alex's war is not officially rated. It should be R because there are lots and lots of F-bombs and other harsh language. Two and a half stars for a very watchable, intriguing, uh, if not family-friendly uh, documentary. Day Shift stars uh, an Oscar winner. Uh, Jamie Foxx, who is likable as he always is, very compelling. He plays a uh, pool service guy who in the San Fernando Valley of L.A., but who has a secret job that his wife and daughter don't know about. He is also a master vampire hunter. Listen. Every day, hunting vampires. Vampire hunting is a business. Cut necks and cash your checks. Well, things have changed since you got your ass kicked out the union. If I don't come up with 10K, my wife and my daughter are going to move to Florida. And the union is the only place that could give me that kind of money. Your record is chock full of incidents. But he's a new man. One last chance. This is your final warning. Okay, uh, Day Shift is the name of the film. 
And the plot basically is he has to desperately make a bunch of money by killing a bunch of vampires. And to do that, he has to be readmitted to the Vampire Hunters Union. His mentor in that union is played by Snoop Dogg, who's actually very funny and one of the best things in the film. Uh, Jamie Foxx is always fun to watch. He uh, is working with a newbie, a new recruit here who's played by Dave Franco, who has a problem wetting himself when he encounters real vampires. The vampires are not very real. The a body count is not very convincing. I think this sets an all-time Hollywood record for the most beheadings in one film. I mean, it's more, it's more than a dozen beheadings. I mean, slicing vampires' heads off. Uh, does it make any sense? No. Are the chase scenes or the battle scenes well-directed? No. It's a, um, a, a gentleman who's been an assistant director, J.J. Terry is his name, this is his debut film uh, as a full director. There are continuity problems that abound, and the choreography of the fight scenes uh, becomes extremely tedious and extraordinarily brutal. It is rated R. It is extremely gory uh, with um, all kinds of disembowelments and, as I said, record numbers of beheadings. It's streaming on Netflix, uh, two stars, and, uh, again, rated a very serious R. The last film is called Mac and Rita with Diane Keaton. And uh, she only comes on screen midway in the film. A 30-year-old writer who has a, uh, a trouble because she feels like an old soul secretly wants to be an old lady. But then she goes on a tanning bed while she's supposed to be regressing to a past life. And she gets her wish. Uh, Mac and Rita, uh, it's wonderful to see Diane Keaton, but uh, it, it, it is a PG-13 movie. It has moments that are amusing and even uh, somewhat touching, but uh, basically uh, the, the plot doesn't add up. It's slow moving and the relationships in the film, even the friendships don't appear for a moment credible. Only two stars for Mac and Rita. We are hoping, however, for a four-star weekend and week ahead in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Fred Dreyer here for a product I use and love, Balance7.com. Are you suffering with heartburn? Get relief from Balance7. Most people are able to go back to eating the foods they enjoy with Balance7. 